welcome to Don't Quit Your Day Job, although sometimes it may make sense to quit your day job. Who knows? My name is Paul, and today we have um, someone new on the show. His name is Kevin, and so now I'm going to try to say Kevin's last name. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pronounce it Coke, and Kevin, tell me if I'm right or wrong. That's a very good guess. That's a, that's a, a that's a, you, you dusted off an old, uh, a traditional one there that, uh, you know, a lot of people always think it's Coke because of the mayor of New York. So, you know, you dusted off a classic, but it's actually pronounced cook. So cook really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And what Not about quite... the, the famous Republican brothers? Are they cook also, or are they Coke? What are they? They are my uncles. Hence why I don't work. I'm kidding. No, they're, uh, <laughs> No, I, there's no, there is no family relation and they are Coke and, uh, now they're kind of sleazy. So yeah, yeah we, we yeah. like, we like not being attached to them. For sure. Uh, so welcome to the show, Kevin. Thanks for coming on. I have a bunch of questions for you as always for everyone. This show is about, um, people who play music and love music and have ha harbored dreams at some point in their life of making it, whatever that means to uh, the individual. And I'm going to start Kevin off here with, I think the most important question of the day, which is why are drummers the worst? That's my question for you, Kevin. Why are drummers the worst? Well, that's the end of the interview guys. Thank you very much for <laughs> Oh, you know what, man? It is a, it is, it's a classic problem of announcing at a bar full of musicians I'm the drummer because they either they either already know who you are because they've heard you're great and they all want you in their bands because they don't like their drummer, or they don't have any idea who you are and they imagine you're just going to start talking about Neil Peart and Bonham and uh, and then and then they're like, hey guys, I wrote a song and and that's the end of your time in the band. So it really is difficult to find. A drummer that can play, um, but also isn't kind of a dick. You know, that sweet spot is truly one of the mysteries of the world. So, Kevin, why don't you go ahead and give us a little background, what your band is, why why you're a drummer of all things you could be in the world, why you chose that? Sure. Um, through... Okay, well, my band, I'm the drummer uh, since 2014 of the band called Los Vampiros Amarillos, which is uh, the Yellow Vampires. The band formerly was known as the Me Too's. Um, that name lasted up until when the women's movement started up. And we had, uh, through that summer, when things were picking up, we had already announced a bunch of shows as the Me Too's, so we kept it for a little while after that. Like, we had already announced that we were opening for the Posies, and, and we had a bunch of great shows lined up at Deutsch Town, and so we just kept it through that summer but then changed it to um this band name it's actually um i could talk about more more about that in a minute but uh how did i play drums it was always the thing that i it was always the instrument i gravitated towards you know like i grew up in the 80s so eddie van halen was a god on our block and uh and van halen was my favorite band but there was definitely a moment when i was a kid where i had those like those big extra thick magic markers and my pillows set up to kind of replicate rototoms. And I was doing <laughs> yeah. the, I was doing the Alex Van Halen drum solo during the keyboard solo of jump of uh, 1984's album. And I just remember like being able to keep time with the beats. And I was like, Oh, this is fun. Well, I wonder if I can do this. So I started taking drum lessons in the third grade. Uh, and I promptly quit two months later because Unfortunately, growing up in the 80s, when I got a snare at home, I thought it would sound like the gated reverb, like huge, yeah. 
like the, the kind of metal, <laughs> hair metal, even like I'm not a fan of hair metal, like the production, I thought it was going to hit it. It was going to be like, like, and I'd be like this, like I'd be, I'd be rocking in my living room. Um, instead, it sounded like a snare drum from a jazz album in the 60s. <laughs> And rudiments were not fun, and I wanted to play street hockey and baseball, and I just told my folks, I'm just going to return this drum kit. Uh, I, I had a snare drum. I was going to give the drum snare drum back. And, and then fast forward to like I was 17, I was 18, I was 19. I just kept thinking of drums, and I came home one day, and my brother, who fancied himself as a percussionist for like all of two days, he came home with this <laughs> this it was red. I don't know the name of the kid. It was like a classic four piece kit with like a 22 inch Paiste symbol and a broken crash symbol and a snare chain off the hi hat or the snare chain off the snare was broken. The hi hat was crap, but I sat down behind it and I stacked up my Beatles anthology and a copy of my aim is true by Elvis Costello. And I started playing away to those with two big stereo speakers behind me. Um, and it just was so much fun and I picked it up really fast and I just was like, I had a friend come over, my buddy, Brian, he's that guy in, in high school. We all have that friend that just, he, he was like, Hey, I think you'll like this. And he got me into the jam. He got me into big star. He got me into punk and folk and jazz, all this, like, just, we just always bring over something great. He brought his guitar over and we just started making noise until it made sense. And we started having fun and, and drums became my instrument, you know? Are, so are you the are you the cool the good drummer that that people like so that that hard to find uh, guy or are you the drummer that is good and people tolerate so you end up being in a lot of different bands what, what kind of drummer are you depending on who you ask uh, like <laughs> at, if you ask, if like I, I immediately like if you ask my bandmates they'll say oh he's the best drummer in the city if you ask like my buddy Banked Alexander who's the guitarist at Action Camp. He'll be like, ah, hey, he's an asshole, but he can keep time. You know, like, and that's just bang busting my chops because uh, he and I have worked on stuff together. Uh, and his buddy, my buddy Joe, who's the drummer of Action Camp, is a really great drummer. So he's, bang knows his stuff when it comes to drums. I hope I'm that guy that people like. I hope I am. I have a weird background in terms of my education in music. So a lot of my favorite drummers are really solid timekeepers. I was never a big fan of a lot of solos and like stick twirling and like, you know, like getting the audience to clap along. I, I, but at the same time, like some of my heroes, like Topper Heaton of the Clash and Pete Thomas of Elvis Costello and New Tractions, these are guys that could solo. They, these are guys that could express themselves real fast and are really, uh, they could do a quick fill that would be a nice bridge between the chorus back to the verse to grab the audience's attention, but then lean back and let the song do its thing. Right. Right. And that's always like, you know, guys like that, like Stuart Copeland, like those have always been my heroes. Uh, they're very, you can, they have a very distinct style, but they're not like a Bonham or a Pert that's like held up in this like realm of, you know, the 20 minute drum solo was never something I was interested right. in, you know. Right. So. The, the early uh, or late seventies, early eighties arena rock thing where the drummer plays for, for 20 minutes by himself or, or the same goes for a guitar player you know i was never sort of into that because like you i'm more of a punk rock guy but i can appreciate all of that of course and a lot of it is fun but sometimes oh, yeah. it's, it's boring you know well i say that as a guy who listened to a lot of alex van halen drum solos <laughs> but i also knew like i mean that's like a guy who learns g c and d and then sits on to listen to hendrix it's like i'm never getting there but it's boy it's it's, it's cool fun. to see how it's, far you yeah, can go yeah. you know so, i but then like i listen to like I listen to the jam and I'm like, oh, 
I want to be like Rick. I want to be like Rick Buckler. I want to be, I want to be, you know, he's got a lot of great expression and he really adds a lot and it's very distinct. But I think you could throw him in an R&B band or you could throw him in whatever, like Topper Heaton could play almost anything. You could throw him in any kind of band and, right. and he'll fit in, but he's he's got a very distinct sound. Right. So, Did you go big drum kit immediately after you had gotten some practice under your belt or, or how were you feeling about about your gear were you were you like i need a huge kit with rototoms i mean nobody uses rototoms anymore but uh maybe you do kevin Uh, no i don't (laughs) i've actually been looking at them recently because it's like maybe when i come back i'll just get a little ridiculous for like one or two gigs you should you You should but But, yeah there's limitations to being in a three-piece band yeah yeah the limitations of being in a three-piece band i'm not sure if there's room in rototoms for lvh songs yeah uh, right on right on so you so you played a little bit you learned to records you you uh you you had some friends come over when did you start thinking about music as something you wanted to do in front of people and maybe try to express yourself when did it become more of a thing rather than a hobby it was it was a couple of times going to see i saw a lot of shows in philly uh between high school and the four years that i was in community college part-time and then full-time before i moved out to pittsburgh which was in 2000 and even when i moved out to pittsburgh to go to school i was always going to see shows at the beehive theater or at the at the um i almost at the trocadero but that's in philly uh what was uh the all the clubs like club ava and um things like that 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 closed they're now all gone but they were in oakland so you know i could walk down the street and see guided by voices on a thursday night because it was just great um and then i started thinking that there were actually my background was originally in theater so there were a lot of rock musicals i did with my voice and so there were a couple of times where i sat behind the drum kit and sat in with the band and and like you know our guitarist in this one theater we worked at was a kid it's steeped in punk so we would be playing the damned and sham 69 and then i'd go on stage and and sing along to like jesus christ superstar but i thought like (laughs) this is just as much fun as being an actor and it's it's actually a lot to me it's a lot quicker like you can go on stage and fake it to an audience for a little bit in a play and a song as a drummer it's real fast you have to be good you have to know what you're doing and i really love that and so i started playing out a little bit in philly just at like friends parties and stuff like just like there would be a drum kit and we'd all just get drunk and go play but i didn't start actually joining bands until the mid-2000s Okay, so I was wow. really, really I was really late to the game you think i would have all these stories of yeah and my band was in the battle of bands like <laughs> I always thought that was like, it seemed like kind of an arrogant thing for me to try to do to be in a band. So I never did because I was like, well, I'm not good enough to be with those guys. And to sit down and attempt to play would just be a waste of their time. And But a couple of times where I would get up from a, with the drum kit and someone would be like, hey, that was that was great. You're, you're actually getting better at this. And I thought, okay. And then like, it was 2006. I was living in Oakland with my buddy Jared, who was in this band called Kabuki Thunder. They were in the, the um, 31st Street pub scene. Um, and, uh, you know, we hung out at Brave New World and he knew all those guys and he was giving me albums like by the helicopters and Turbo Negro and Glucifer. And, and so one day he came home and said, uh, so-and-so is starting a band and, uh, he's got a bass player and he needs a drummer and you're going to be his drummer because you're actually getting, you're getting good at drums. So you're going to be his drummer. I was like, uh, okay. And so my buddy Brody came over and I was, I was in a band 
and that was it. And, and what were you doing? Was it uh, covers then, or were you already trying to do, start to do originals? Or I've always been in a band that had original tunes. I've, I've, like, a lot of, a lot of the real big attractions in this city are like the tribute. Like Randy will do the fundraisers with the, uh, the Ramble Band, or they'll do like tributes to people who've passed away. And it's always amazing to me how many of those go on because I've always been in bands that played original music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, LBA, we play a lot of covers, but it's like, you know, New Rose is about as top 40 as we get, you know? So, like, we play The Damned or, you know, we play, I, the, we played New Rose with the line, is she really going out with him in the beginning of the song? And then at that album, uh, this was two years ago when we released, we released the last album, we then did Is She Going Out With Him by Joe Jackson. And, like, that's about as much... You're not going to hear us like covering, I don't know, like Matchbox 20 or something like that. You know? Well, just as an aside here, uh, we both love like 70s British. You know, we're both big fans of the jam. I love Paul Weller. He's one of my my really big heroes. Um, yeah. But you mentioned Glucifer and I that immediately got me thinking we should start a Glucifer tribute band in Pittsburgh <laughs> like tomorrow. I would do that in a heartbeat. It would be the most fun thing in the world. I think it would be fun. I'm not sure in this day and age how blow me like the wind would go down in front of the, 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 but it's like, like I listened to them. I, some of their songs I was listening to like the same way when I was a kid and I was listening to Iron Maiden and I'd like tell my mom, like, they're not really singing about the devil. The drummer's a born again Christian. It's just cool, you know? Right. So, but no, like the helicopters and that kind of sweet rock phase I was heavy into for a while. Um, and that was all through meeting my buddy, Jared, uh, and uh, Robbie, who was in Silver Tongue Devils, who ran Brave New World, those guys, you know, like that's how I actually discovered Wire through them and a, a bunch of great bands that I just hadn't gotten around to getting into. When I lived in Germany in the uh, 2001 through 2010, uh, that so in Germany, that sort of Swedish Scandinavian rock scene is called uh, Schweiner Rock, pig, pig Rock. Uh, so Glucifer and Helicopter. So I've seen all of those bands a ton of times in Munich and lucky enough to see Glucifer on their last tour coming through Munich before they disintegrated. And then we played with uh, Bloodlights at a really small show, which is Captain no Poon. way. Yeah, Captain Poon from Glucifer. And he was super, super awesome. I mean, he was just the nicest guy uh, ever. And... Uh, so, so all of that stuff was really fun having grown up on that. So, so what's your, what's your equivalent experience here? Did you hang out with Elvis Costello or, uh, Bruce Foxton, uh, somewhere? No, I, I did meet Pete Thomas by accident after Elvis Costello's show. He was just walking out of the lobby and I just said, Pete, and he's like, Hey, he's like, Hey mate. Hey, he's like, Hey, thanks for coming. And I was just kind of starstruck. I had that like, you know, like it wasn't, I met Roger Daltrey years ago and that was real bad. I almost became like a woman at a Beatles concert. I was like, Oh my God. But uh, no, but I just, I just, I had this moment where I was like, all right, stay calm. Hey. And I just said, Hey man, thank you. You've been a huge influence ever since I started playing drums. I've been listening to you uh, through the, you know, attractions and, and, um, and the imposters. And, and he was like, great. I was like, can I walk with you? And I just walked with him to his tour bus and, and told him, I said, you and Topper and Rick, there were a couple of guys like you were so important to me in terms of me developing a really good live sound. It's like not only playing well on the records and you could tell from like the intro to like, I don't want to go to Chelsea that you had shops, but to hear those early live recordings now and the later recordings with the imposters, like your sound, it just has this energy that comes off the speakers. It's the same with Stuart Copeland. It's the same with Topper. 
and it was that was really important to me for me to find my voice as a drummer because a lot of people in this day and age I feel like a lot of people just kind of like do this hipster thing where they like sit behind a really minimal kit and they just kind of play and, and it's fun and it's cool. But like to me, it's like the same thing as finding a guitarist that has the right guitar with the right amp and the right pedals. And that's your sound. Yeah. So I want that as in, in snare drums in toms and cymbals and in the energy and style in which I play. And also in the band I play, like I want that sp- specific sound. So. so were you copping licks early on? Were you trying to play like, like Topper or any of those guys or were you? Oh, absolutely. The minute I realized I could play, uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I would, I was, st- I, you, I just theft left and right. I was stealing stuff off those guys. Like, I made it all the way through Magnificent Seven one day, and I was like covered in sweat. And it was the same day I think I played through Land of a Thousand Dances, and I was like, "I'm, I've made it. I'm here." And then like you, and then you go see someone like Jeff Hamilton or like, you know, Tony Williams, like these great jazz drummers, and you're like, "Oh, I'm not even close." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, do you do you guitar players are inherently competitive, right? So I've never. Uh, of course, when I was younger, maybe I was that way, but I don't view any of it really as I need to be better or faster because I'm happy with what I do. I still take lessons and I do all of that stuff. Are, are drummers similar? Did you did you view yourself in competition? I know that you had some doubt early on, which you just yeah. talked about, but as you got better, did you feel like I need to be better than this local dude or that local dude? Only in the last couple of years do I see, and it's not that I need to be better, like I see guys like the, uh, my buddy Mike Mast, who's a drummer for Block of Walry. Like I watch him play and I want to be as good as him in, in, in an inspiring way. Right, right. Not like, oh, screw that guy. I can play better. <laughs> it's like, like I've had, I've definitely had those moments with drummers and bands in the city that I'm not going to name because I don't want to be rude because there's this like, in the last couple of years, there's this rash of people who like, they played something else for a while and then they pick up a pair of sticks and they learn a basic beat and they're like, I'm a drummer. I'm like, no, that's like me learning G, C, and D and saying I'm a guitar player. <laughs> That being said, like my buddy Banks, my buddy Joe, a lot of these guys are like multi-instrumentalists and they're really great drummers too. Um, so there is a lot of that going around, but I've never felt competitive because I just knew that I was never, you, you, you never know who can play what. And I always assume I'm the worst drummer in the room because I just want to like kind of feed off people. What, what do you symbol? Like I've met famous, famous drummers and there's this after you get past the starstruck kind of aspect you're just two nerds talking about did you hear the news k customs the dark one oh yeah the matting that they're doing now or like the evans hydraulics oh they're beautiful there's a great tone of them and if you mix them with these mics like we're just all of a sudden like our wives are like okay let's go get a and, and me and this famous guy are like geeking out on drums and it's you know it's happened to me with drummers of bands i love and drummers of bands i don't really like but i've met like I met the drummer of Dave Matthews and in five seconds we were talking about like I was like dude those Yamahas you have are great and I didn't want to be rude and say I don't really listen to you but I've seen his work and he's incredible so there we were talking about right. drums and heads and cymbals and I'm switching over to Vic Firth now you should try those sticks and and his woman was with him she's like it's okay he does this all the time so yeah <laughs> I've, I've had that moment where I meet local drummers and I'm just a big geek and nine times out of ten that are usually pretty cool the arrogant ones, 
those are the ones I'm like, I'm going to destroy him next time I'm on stage. In fact, we're, we're going to open up before you and I'm completely going to screw you by throwing everything I have on stage and, and have fun following that. So. There, there is definitely something to be said, some fun to be had when you open for a band that you don't necessarily like or you feel like the guys are kind of uppity or whatever. There is some real fun there in trying to just be as dynamic as you possibly can when you're when you're on stage. That... Yeah, because I don't, I don't want to be rude to people but we certainly want to i've told people a couple times like we'll show up with our hottest 25 minutes and we'll kill the audience and right. they will be they will be right where you want them so you guys can do whatever the hell you want for at least the first three songs but don't bore them too long you know let me ask you this question so what you just just described could be applied to me i'm a guitar player i played guitar for for a long time in a lot of bands um, but I occasionally play drums in punk bands. So what yeah. I usually tell people is I have decent time, and that's mostly from years of playing to a metronome as a guitar player, um, yeah. so I can keep time. I can play double kick, and I have about three or four fills that I use, and yeah. there's really not much more than that. Um, so, so what do you think about a guy like me who's just going to do a punk band and, and play drums like that? Well, no, I think that's awesome. It's these people who... Like these people who are like, oh, I'm a drummer now, and it's like, no, you're a guitar player, and you play, and you play drums, and you play bass, and no, I'm just a drummer. I'm like, calm down. There's only a few of us in the city that have good gigs. Like, let's relax. You know, you have two albums out as a singer songwriter, um, or, or you know, but like, but again, like, there's so many people in this scene that like, I'm watching them, like, they have an Instagram account and they're playing their new film, and I'm like, holy crap, that's really great, and they're a singer songwriter, so it's like super cool. Yeah. Um, it was this like rash of like hipster drummers in the last decade that we had to kind of weed out. But to a guy like you, I just say like, I mean, just you're you're basically going to do the same thing I I do is just have fun and just play as much as you can. Like I, people have said, my son wants to get drums or like my nephew wanted to play drums. Come give him lessons. I'm like, I I can't teach him anything. Like I can recommend a bunch of really great DVDs. Follow this drummer and this drummer, and then just put on the headphones and stack up your favorite music and try to keep up with it. Yeah. And just remember to have fun. Don't get too frustrated because one day you're going to finish a song that you never finished. And it's just good. You're, you're going to want to play that song over and over again all day. And it's the greatest feeling. Yeah. Right on. Uh, all right. So let's finish up this, this episode with, uh, with one more question that I have for you, which is sort of about the circumstances going on right now. Uh, I interviewed my buddy Charlie in Chicago, um, and for him, uh, he's in a band called Radar, and they had just, um, when everything shut down, they got the masters for their new album, like uh, on the day that everything shut down. And the yeah. album is great. It's really, really good. They had just played some shows opening for Local H. They were just starting to get some traction. And, you know, now they haven't played a show since since March of last year. So mm -hmm. for, for you, are you in a similar boat? What's going on with, with you and your band there? Well... We were in a process of writing a bunch of really new songs that we were excited about. We actually dusted off some older songs from the days of early days of Me Choose and kind of have re reinterpreted them. So we had a lot of really new energy. And we usually rehearse. Our studio is built into Jesse's house. It's the top floor of his house. And that's where we recorded the last albums. And, and so it was a Sunday and we said, OK, you know, things are getting kind of weird. But let's next week, let's record everything that we have. Let's make it tidy. And then. We'll play it by ear after that. And that Wednesday, everything shut down. And I haven't been back since. Wow. So so Jesse has a couple of rough demos on his phone. 
Um, ben and I have the songs that we've all been kind of independently working on. Like Jesse is, uh, he's 99% the main songwriter, but Ben and I are really good with arrangements um, and riffs and Jesse does all the lyrics. So we've all been kind of working independently and having Zoom calls where we get drunk and tell each other how much we love each other. And, you know, <laughs> it's it, luckily we had put out an album already and had spent a summer kind of playing that new album with the promise of we're going to be back with a new EP next year. So um, I can't imagine the frustration your buddy has, I mean, to have the finished work and then for the curtain to come down for arguably the next two years is, is got to be unbearable. Not, you know? not be able to do anything, not be able to capitalize on, you know, it's so hard to get momentum anyways, and then to get some and just have it sort of pulled out. And of course, his band is not the only band that experienced that. Um, no. Um, so what's the plan for, for you guys, for Los Vampiros Amarillos? No, is that it? That is correct, sir. You can trill the R if you want to be really, uh, really, you know. My wife is from Mexico, so of course I know how to say it properly. So can you speak Spanish? Are you fluent? Uh, I can. I, I speak Spanglish barely. Uh, it's it's getting there. We'll talk more about the name in the next episode. But um, our plan is to just try to make it back into a rehearsal room, okay. uh, where we can pick up where we left off. There's going to be a lot of patch up work to do we're really good individually as musicians and we have luckily that good band chemistry. So every time we've taken a break and come back, arguably that breaks always been two or three months maximum. It's taken about two rehearsals this time. I, I feel it'll probably take a solid month of, okay. of every Sunday ha just slamming away. It's gonna It's probably going to sound awful for, at first, even though there are songs, but just to be back in the room again, to have the the foundation so when Ormsby and places like that can have crowds and open and we can actually play, you know, I mean, we had gotten a couple offers at the end of the summer of outdoor shows, but we had to explain to people like we haven't even been in the same room since February because right. it's right. just, I'm a mailman. I come in contact with 500 mailboxes a day. Jesse is a pharmacist, a pharmacist coming in contact with customers with medications. Ben is working with people. Um, you know, it's just the safest thing to do. It's why risk it, you know? Cool. Well, Kevin, I think we'll leave uh, the first episode right there. Uh, it was great to, to start to get to know you, and, and I appreciate it. And uh, for everyone else out there, please like and subscribe to the podcast. I'll have all of Kevin's information um, at the bottom, and maybe we'll put in some recommendations for what, what records you need to listen to when you want to start playing drums. I think that that's a good, good starting point. We'll put some links in there. Uh, Kevin, thanks a lot, buddy, and I'll talk to you next time. Great, man.